Yeah, good to see each and every one of you coming out on a cold, rainy day. Your news app flapped up, I'm sure, that there's icy roads and freezing rain and all those things. And yet you braved all those things to come out this morning. And uh, you could be in a lot of other places. So thank you for being here. Thank you all who are tuning in online as well. I hope because what you hear and experience somehow is going to help you experience uh, the love and the joy that Christ offers to us. Here now, a very familiar passage of Scripture. I hope it's familiar. It's the adoration of the Magi, the visit of the wise men, found in the Good News according to Matthew, the second chapter. Here now the word of the Lord. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him and calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet and you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For you shall, from you shall come a ruler who's a shepherd, my people, Israel. Then secret, Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, when they heard the king, they set out and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising till it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then they opened the treasure chest and they offered him the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, I want you to think back a little bit. Where were you on December 21st, 2020? Where were you on December 21st, 2020? Now, if any Druids are out there in the congregation, you may have been out doing some little Druid festival or, or worshiping some tree or something like that, because that is the winter solstice. Yeah, I, I know that. You might have gone to Stonehenge. But most of us were in lockdown, right? It was the midst of the pandemic. And we, we had folks that were being isolated. And we had our own experience, our own household uh, of the pandemic. My wife had had COVID a, a month or so prior to that. It had a, a, you know, for the time, a pretty bad case. And it was before the vaccinations. And so she was sick for over a week. Our, our daughter had come back from grad school. And so we were all there uh, Around the time, getting ready for the holidays, it was a different holiday. that We had a, a once-in-a-generation, we hope, pandemic hitting us. Something that hadn't happened at all in over a century, where the whole world was being affected by something that was spreading around, causing much concern, much disease, much heartache. Y'all might remember those times. But on December 21st, 2020, something special happened. Something that hadn't happened for well over 800 years. Astronomers tell us that Jupiter and Saturn were co-joined in a brilliant way on that night. 
And you could go out and see this bright light that was there in the heavens, in the southwest, southwest horizon. And we were told to go out and, and look at this. So I said to my, my girls, I said, this is something pretty cool. We, we need to go out and see this. This hadn't happened for, since 1226. We, this is the first time this has happened in a long, long time. Let's go see this. Let, let's go out on this cold South Alabama night to go look at the stars. Well, that didn't get much of a reaction from those two. So I did a little bribery. I made hot chocolate. And I said, Let, let's go out and drink some hot chocolate and go and sit and, and watch this star come together. It's bright light in the sky. So I was over the hot chocolate. Uh, they, they got in the car with me, took binoculars and the chairs, and, and we went to a nearby park in, there in Dothan. And uh, we sat up the chairs, and, and, well, we really couldn't see the star all well. Too much light pollution, trees are in the way. So I said, hey, y'all, let's drive out into the country to see uh, this star. And, well, they were real thrilled by that. But they could tell I was excited by this. I said, okay, and for the hot chocolate. So we drove out, in, out into the dark, out of the countryside, outside of Dothan, got off the main road, parked our cars on the edge of a, a peanut field that had recently been harvested, went out into it, set the chairs up, and there we saw the star. Bright there in the sky as the sun was going down. And we had binoculars up there, and, and we looked at it, and we saw something that hadn't happened in 1,200 years. Oh, how cool, 800 years. How cool was that? Even my daughter got excited by that. And as I sat there waiting for my turn to peek through the binoculars. We were not too far off Highway 84, which is uh, the El Camino Highway. Some of y'all may have traveled on it. It starts in South Georgia, goes through Alabama, through Louisiana and Texas, all the way to Colorado. It used to be the main thoroughfare. Still a busy highway. We saw all sorts of cars running up and down it. And I thought to myself, hey, y'all stop your cars. <laughs> Look what's in the sky. And I thought to myself, don't they know that something so fabulous is happening that that hadn't happened since the time of the Crusades? And it's not going to happen again in our lifetimes? Wow. People are so caught up in their day-to-day -day activity that they miss something glorious that's happening in the sky. I wonder if those first magi, those wise men, were, were thinking the same thing. There they are studying the skies, and they see there this bright light, this star, and they get so excited by it, but... Well, all sorts of people probably weren't paying attention. They were busy with their day-to-day -day activities, making a living, harvesting, planting, selling vegetables, taking their kids to school, fixing up their homes, trying to get by. So busy, so caught up in the day-to-day -day that they missed what God was doing, putting the bright light, announcing the birth of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Who are these magi? Well, the word magi more than likely means that these were Zoroastrian priests that lived in Persia. That's what the word literally means. These were priests of the Zoroastrian religion that uh, looked to the stars. It could also mean that these were 
prominent people in that country of Persia that came from the east. No matter who they were, these were men that took time to look into the sky and they saw something different. They saw what God was up to and they paid attention. Well, there may have been other magi, other wise men that saw that, but these, these magi, well, they're captured by it. They were paying attention to what God was doing in their midst. And they had to wonder, don't don't anyone else see this star? Does anybody else take notice of this? No no one else in that area was was willing to look up? And and you got to ask the question, what were the people in Jerusalem doing? I mean, there they were right by the place where Jesus was born. Didn't they take notice of this great light that was in the sky pointing the way? Did they notice? And we've got to ask ourselves as we try to learn from these wise men, these magi, do we take notice of what God is doing in our midst? Do we take notice of the things that, that, are, that God is doing? Are we so caught up in the busyness of our day-to-day lives, the making of money, the, the shopping, the going to school, the doing the things that we do day after day after day? Do, do we take notice? Do we quiet ourselves to see what the Lord is doing in our midst, in the skies, and in our lives? And we have to ask ourselves, are we doing the things to help us take notice? Because it does, does take discipline. For these magi, well, they studied the stars. They took time to look into the heavens to see what the portents were. Do we prepare ourselves? Do we take time in our own lives to do these type of things? Because it does take discipline. It does take effort. It does take noticing. When we lived in South Alabama for the longest time, we had a place on a little lake outside of Andalusia. And it was you know, pretty remote, pretty rural, so we could see the night sky really, really well uh, from that place. And so we decided to get a telescope. And so we could look at the, the night sky and look at the stars and the plants, all that. Have any of you all ever bought a telescope? They're, yeah, several of y'all are. They're not the easiest thing to use, are they? You know, you know what I'm getting at. Some of y'all shake your head. I mean, you look at stuff. What is that blur up there? I mean, what is that blob of light? Uh, and, you know, I can't seem to get things in focus. Of course, they're great to look at what your neighbors are doing, but we won't get into that either. Uh, <laughs> but yet, yet we, we had to get a, a, a little handout, a, a look at a book on how to use a telescope. We downloaded the, the Night Sky app. It's a cool app, by the way, uh, so that we could see what we're looking at. You'd point, you'd point the app up that, that direction in the sky. It would tell you what the planets or, or the stars were, and then we'd try to figure it out with a telescope. But over time, working with it, we got okay at being able to look at the stars and the planets and be able to identify some of them using that telescope. Well, you get what I'm talking about? It took us some effort and some discipline and some work. And as you enter in this new year, if you're wanting to see the signs of God in the world and your lives, it'll take some discipline. And maybe if you haven't done so, I mean, I imagine if you all have a smartphone, you've downloaded all sorts of apps from 
some news app, to some sports app, to the Auburn Tiger app. Well, I mean, not everyone in here is going to do that. But all sorts of different apps, right? Have you all downloaded a Bible app? A daily devotional app? Some of you all shaking your heads, yeah, yeah. It's right there at your fingertips. We have to take time to listen. Take time to discipline our lives, to be able to, to see the work of God in the world and in the depths of our, our own hearts. So I ask you, what are you doing to be able to see this, the starlights of God shining in the world and in our hearts? It takes us being quiet. And if you haven't done that in the past or downloaded an app, there's something real easy you can do. You just walk out the church, not right now, walk out and get you an upper room. I mean, it is a great way to start your day. I grew up with my mom and dad reading that to us every day. It's a great way to begin the discipline of being able to see the stars of Christ and God shining in the world and in your lives. But we got to quiet ourselves. we got to have the discipline to do this, to be able to see the mercy of God that is all around us. In a wonderful book by Anne Lamott called Hallelujah Anyway, uh, she talks about quieting ourselves to be able to experience and see the mercy of God. The quote's going to be on the screen. I found that uh, you all follow along better if it's up there. So here we go. Paying attention looks like me with a few free minutes deciding not to fill something in. Instead, I may choose, I may close my eyes, drop to a quieter plane, or look up into a tree or a sky, kind of like wise men. Every moment's transcendence changes us. Everything is different afterwards because we deep dove. We're there in a downward, inward, higher place. So we now know. We know now. We remember. It takes, y'all, you see, some quieting ourselves to notice what God is doing in the world around us in our own hearts. Because that's what the wise men did. They took time to notice. And so many other people didn't. Even those that were right there in the midst of the babe of Bethlehem being born. They didn't see the star. Or they didn't notice the star. Kind of like those folks driving up and down Highway 84. Uh, there in, outside of Dothan, Alabama. They did not take time to see the star. We've got to ask ourselves, what are we doing? And it's one thing just to see the star, but these guys did something about it. You know, they, they just didn't gaze at the star, so oh, that's nice. There's some king being born in, in Judea. You can almost see the scene. That these guys, and we think there's three, but there could have been a whole parcel of them. We don't know. Uh, they look up into the sky and say, look, there, there's a, something exciting happening in Judea. Saddle up the camels, boys. Let's get going. We got a trip to make. Let's go. Come on. We're going to go see what this star is telling us about. For you see, true wisdom just doesn't notice. It acts upon what it notices to honor God. To honor Jesus, it makes the sacrifices that it need to be made so that through their lives that we 
honor God, just like these wise men did. They, they got everything together and made this long, arduous trip to honor God. For if they are indeed from Persia, more than likely they're from per- Persepolis, which is the capital of Persia at that time. Long trip, long journey through trackless desert, through hard mountain ranges, 1,500 miles. That's, that would be like us going from here to Denver, Colorado. I didn't realize that when I was looking this up. There's a Denver, North Carolina. But there's the Denver, Colorado. Most of us wouldn't make that trip in a sedan, much less a camel, right? These guys did because, you see, when we take time to honor God, when we notice what God's doing in the world and we are moved to honor God, it's going to, well, cause us to do things, to sacrifice, to uh, make a journey. Sometimes it's hard. It was a hard journey for them. This past Friday, we paid homage to a dear saint, Keith Tutterow. Uh, some of y'all were at the funeral, so if you, you're going to hear me say something that I said at the funeral, so don't tune out for too long, okay? Uh, but you might, those of you that remember, I talked about Keith a little bit on, on All Saints Sunday because I was encouraging you to, well, pay homage to a, a saint that was alive at that very moment. And uh, Keith is a true saint, served the church, served the Lord very well, uh, an educator in Ashe County as well as a United Methodist pastor. And when Keith started into ministry, it was just the Methodist church. But in 1968, those of you all familiar with our history, we united with the Evangelical United Brethren and became the United Methodist Church. And at that time, we brought in the African-American Methodist congregations into our polity. They were segregated out prior to that because, well, sin was in the church called prejudice. And we didn't want to have blacks in our denomination. Well, that was remedied somewhat in 1968 when the central conferences were brought into the denomination. And Keith, at the time, was brought, was put on the race relations committee. And he quickly saw that if these folks were going to be part of us, they needed to be treated like us. And he saw that they lived, the pastors lived in substandard parsonages. They received inadequate pay. And he was moved by their plight. And so he felt like he had to speak out against this injustice. Well, the Episcopal leader at the time uh, didn't want him to do that, didn't want him to stir up any trouble. So uh, he offered Keith uh, a promotion, go to some big church. And well, Keith didn't do that. He didn't, he was going to continue to stay on. And then the bishop started to come down hard on him, said, you better not do that. Well, Keith, because... He was moved by their plight, and he wasn't allured by fame or by riches or by prestige and would not bow down before those things, only bow down before Christ. And he stood up and spoke out on behalf of those who were struggling, our African-American brothers and sisters. And it cost him. He was forced to leave full-time ministry. And hear this, as his wife, Pat, pointed out, we didn't have any pay. 
there'd be no job, no house, and three kids to raise. Talk about sacrifice and stepping out in faith. But Keith did so. And the Lord took care of him. He got uh, into the school system and touched lives as an educator and then later uh, went back as serving, quote, unquote, part-time in ministry, which is no such thing. Y'all get that. There, there is no such thing as a quarter-time church. No, it's, you know, it's, it is full-time all the time. But you see, Keith wanted to honor God, no matter the cost. And you can maybe hear some of the people that were around these magi, these wise men, that some, maybe even some of the other magi, they, uh, they, they may have said this, you know, Melchior, you know, that's going to be a long old trip that you're going to be having to make to go see this Jewish baby. Do you, you want to make that long trip to, to do all that? Uh, Gaspar, you, you know, it's a dangerous road. And, you know, it's one thing to go and honor the new emperor in Rome, even though we, you know, we may not agree with these Romans. I mean, that's somebody worthwhile. But this Jewish baby, are you, Gaspar, are you sure you want to make that? Belsazar? Who's going to paint the house when you're gone? Who's going to clean up after the camels? Who's going to take care of all the bills? Why are you doing this? And, okay, you're going to go, but do you have to break the bank to go and honor this baby? Gold? Giving up incense that you use it to, to pretty up the temple? Using oil to anoint a king, that, that's expensive stuff. Why, why are you taking all that? Because, you see, they wanted to honor this baby. It was worth the trek, worth the, the countless miles, riding on a camel through a, a desert, across mountains, through the coal. And even in Jerusalem when they were being sidetracked by Herod, as, as we read about. He was, he was saying to them, now, you know, I want to worship him too. And they, but they didn't succumb to that flattery. They stayed faithful to listening to God and went back by another road rather than going to see Herod. Got to ask, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Did you read the text? Did you hear what it said? It said, when they saw the star over Bethlehem, the hearts were overjoyed. Overjoyed. Wow. When's the last time that your heart was overjoyed? When's the last time that you could leap in celebra- celebration of the fact that you were honoring something greater than yourself or our pocketbooks? or daily activities. When? And then we read, they go and they pay homage. They knelt down before this King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one who the Apostle Paul says in Philippians that in time, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And these magi, these Zoroastrian priests, these wise men were the first to do so. 
Maybe that's why they're wise. Maybe that's why we call them wise men. Not because of their training, not because of their religious background or that their status there in Persia. Maybe they're wise because they noticed, they sacrificed, and they made the journey. The first ones to do so, well, except for one other group. We don't read about them in Matthew's gospel, but if you stay for the play, you're going to see the whole thing, that the shepherds come, right? And in looking at the shepherds and, and the wise men, we, we see that, well, the shepherds were there tending their flocks by night in a field outside of Bethlehem. When you go to Israel, you'll see that that shepherd's field, if, if, if the tradition is correct, is right there in Bethlehem. I mean, there they are. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords is born in the midst of that poverty. And angels come to these shepherds who are so lowly and so despised that their word can't be used in court because shepherds, you see, weren't trusted. But they were approached directly by God to let them know the good news. And their journey was less than a mile to go and see this babe. And they too left rejoicing. And when we look at those stories together, it should haunt us. It should haunt us. For you see, these magi, these folks that were prosperous, these folks that were wealthy, were far away from the manger. And it should haunt us because we who are successful and prosperous, well, we have a long journey to make. We have much to surrender. Because you see, it's, hard, it's harder for us to notice, isn't it? Is it any wonder that Moses said this to the people of, as they're about to enter into the promised land in the book of Deuteronomy? Beware when your crops come in, your barns are full, your vineyards are plentiful, that you do not forget the Lord your God. And Jesus said very similar things. We all know the saying. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he said, don't be in the parable of the sower. Don't be like the soil that has so much concern, so many weeds, so much uh, that distracts it from the kingdom that we choke out the good news. Or in the parlance of what we're talking about, we are so busy, so concerned with all the stuff that we have, our blessings, that we don't take notice. What God's doing in our midst. Well, we do take notice and we're not willing to pay the cost to make the journey. May we be so wise to notice, to sacrifice, to travel, to honor Jesus, to honor Jesus. You know, in several churches I served, 
We had have a spring cleanup day. I don't, I, I've been here, what, for two, um, a year and a half now. We haven't had that yet. And, and you all keep this church up pretty nice. But, you know, Alabama folks, we're kind of messy. So we, we'd have to have a spring cleanup uh, right before Easter because we knew some folks that hadn't been to church in a while were going to show up. You know, imagine that happening. But so we, we wanted to make sure everything's all spruced up. So uh, the trustees would uh, get all the uh, materials together for cleaning. They'd get some you know, some yard rakes and clippers and all that type stuff. But what really bribed them there was that they would get Bracken's fried chicken to bring folks out for lunch. I mean, that, that, we know what they really came for. But anyways, you know how it is when you have spring cleanup and, and there's some overzealous folks that are going to just toss out everything. That, you know, the motto is, throw out first, ask questions later. Am you all married to somebody like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, we, 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 all, we, all know the, we all know the type. And during one spring cleanup of this church, I noticed in the trash pile, there was an ill-framed picture that was, that was being to- about to be tossed out. And it was a, a picture by Franco Lippi called The Adoration of the Wise Men. I think it's going to be up. There it is right there. Can you all see that? We got two screens. Yay. Thank you for helping us do that. Yeah, it, that was about to be thrown out. And I said, that, that can't happen. So I rooted through the trash pile and got that picture out. That's not the exact one, but I rescued it. And since that time, that ill-framed picture has hung in every office I've been in since. And if you go in my office right now with all the mess, yes, yeah, I said South Alabama people are messy, with all the mess and the bag of almonds, thank you souls for that, uh, and all sorts of other stuff that is there, right above my desk is a, a copy of that picture. And I hang it there to remind myself uh, that I want to be like those wise men. You see how he painted it, it's in the, uh, the style of the 14th century where they would take the clothing of the day and put it on the characters in the Bible and, and, and have them show up there. I mean, I don't think that's what the scene actually looked like when the wise men came to see Jesus, but that's the way they did things. But I have that hanging in my office because look at the central focus of the picture is one of the wise men, an older gent, bowing down and kissing the feet of Jesus. And when I'm at my best self, and you hear that, when I'm at my best self, and that's not as often as I'd like it to be, I want to be like that. I want to be able to say that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to bow down and honor Jesus with everything that I am when I'm at my best self. But the painting reminds me also of something else. It's another story that comes from the Gospels. It's in every one of them where a sinning woman, a sinner, busts into a banquet thrown by a rich, rich religious leader. And there she bows at the feet of Jesus. And she, like the wise men in that picture, kisses the feet of Jesus. And Jesus sees this woman who's known as a sinner by everybody else and she said, he says to her, woman, your sins, which are many, are forgiven. And it reminds me of the hope that we can have that 
as we take time to humbly bow before Jesus. We receive, I receive, as frail and as flawed as I am, more mercy than I'll ever can comprehend. Now give me everything I need. And so I encourage you to take notice, to surrender, to give up, to make the journey, to bow before this Jesus, and he will give you all the mercy that you will ever need. May that be so for you and for me. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.